0: Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Welcome everyone to the Superpower Success Podcast podcast i'm so glad that you've joined us today and i've got some lessons and some leadership bombs that i think john schwenke the president of lakeview industries is going to share with you today so definitely tune in stay tuned in um, because we're going to learn a lot from john and the transformation and growth that he has both driven and experienced as a leader um, in an organization as you look at the last few years right And, and helping organizations through so john Thanks for being here with me today.
1: Danny, glad to be here.
0: So I know a little bit about your story because we've been working together and, and I've been helping Lakeview for years and seen the transformation, but I want you to just start there with, what's your story? How did you get to this level of success, both as a business and you as a leader?
1: You know, it's not something that was planned when I first started working in the business. I came into the business out of college. My mom and dad had started a business when I was probably around eight or nine years old. I never visualized myself being in that business because it just didn't seem like something I'd be interested in. And, but I needed a starting place. I needed to learn about how business works, um, what maybe would interest me. And at first, it was just a job. And as I worked through the organization doing different things within the company, I learned more and more about the business itself. And I learned more about myself and what I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. And through that process of having different positions in the company, I decided that I needed more. And I left the company and I had an opportunity to start my own business, which I did. Then I really started to learn even more and made a lot of mistakes and learned from those mistakes. And eventually felt ready to come back to the family business after being away for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And when I did come back, I was really excited because. I was just in one role. I wasn't in a leadership role. I was, I was a salesperson. I could focus on just selling and taking care of customers and growing revenue. And through about six or seven years of that, um, I quickly realized that we didn't have a succession plan in our business. Mm-hmm. And we had a leader that was nearing retirement. Yeah. So I started thinking more about maybe that role could be for me how that would look and could I do that? And am I qualified for that? So that I didn't really feel that I met every bit of the criteria other than I was very confident in my ability to adapt to whatever the environment was going to be Mm -hmm. and that I could create a good leadership team that could lead the business.
0: I feel like I wanna take just what you just said and like give it to all high school and college kids because I'm in that stage, right, of sending kids to college, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life, right, and they're 18, and they're trying to figure it out, and so I love that you just came in and said, I don't know what I want to do, I know, right, and you didn't, maybe, you knew kind of what you were good at, but the business allowed you to do that, and then you had the courage to go try something different, and bring back that experience, and that knowledge, and I think we all feel like we've got to have it all figured out, that if I'm an accounting major, I need to be an accountant for the rest of my life. And, and I think if you look at really successful leaders, they haven't stayed in their lane that they were supposed to. And so I think that's a great message for people that are maybe looking to change or do something that's more impactful to them. It's, it takes courage to do that.
1: It did. And, and I felt that you know working with customers, being on that front line, exposed me to all the businesses that I worked with. I learned so much about my customers of the things that they did really really well and then I also learned things that maybe they could do better at but they themselves didn't know how to do better. And it was frustrating to work with them because you know the people who worked in those companies were hey, we need to be really good at doing, you know, engineering and and designing products faster and getting things to the market quicker than we do. Yet they themselves struggled with it because they didn't really know how to do that either. And so as a vendor, which I was in that relationship, it was really, you know, our company's responsibility to help them reach their goals yeah, and to bring that message back to, to the people who I worked with at Lakeview and to try to institute systems that would create uh, an environment where we could react better to our customers and get them information faster. that that was a struggle and it was a cultural shift within the organization to think that, Hey, we're here to serve our customers. But the true reality of the culture was we need to make sure that we do things in the correct order. And, and then we, you know, follow the checklist, follow the process. And if the customer is wanting it faster, they're just going to have to wait.
0: Yeah. And that was frustrating for me. Absolutely. But what you got and what you're talking about, knowing a little more about the inside of your business and every business is struggling with this right now. Leaders are struggling with this is that value added customer relationship that Lakeview does well because of what you're talking about. You experienced it and then you brought it back and said, this is going to be our differentiator, right? We're going to solve our customers' problems in a better way, even though we could just, you could have just decided to be order takers. Right. There's a lot of businesses that are For like, sure. call us. We'll send you stuff. We'll make some money. And you wanted to take it further.
1: Yes, it's you know, everyone has a website now. So back when I started a business, it was the Yellow Pages.
0: Right.
1: You, know, you only had a small amount of space to describe what your company does. And you hope that somebody okay. read it. What <laughs> a tough way to be known. Right? right. And I knew that our competitors were really well entrenched in the industry. They had been known for 30 or 50 years. When we came along, we were kind of the new kids on the block at the time. So it was really difficult to establish who we were, what we did well, and how we could help them. Yep. And it was a tough message as a salesperson to try to differentiate yourself from your clients. And I found that really it's the people that differentiate from others. It's not the company just itself. Yep. How you behave as an individual to your customer can differentiate you very quickly from anybody else.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: hard to describe that to other people within the organization.
0: And it's hard to train them to have that, right? If they haven't gone through the experience that you've gone through. And I think that's the biggest thing as leaders is we feel like we have to have all the answers for everyone when really we just have to help them explore this themselves, right? And be in that situation and gain the experience because we can't just give them the experience.
1: You can't, and you can't, you can only lecture for so long. Right. And the lecturing is more in my mind, just so that everyone's aware of what the direction should be, but the how to, you have to leave it to them.
0: Right. So as you think back over kind of your leadership journey, are there, is there a moment or moments that really shaped you that you're like, this was a point where I realized I needed to evolve as a leader or right, or do something different. And and how have you seen that play forward?
1: I didn't get enough time with the previous leader before I transitioned into my role to really understand what is everything that I need to be to be effective in, in this role of leading a business. I had these ideas, and of course, we all do, and, and I felt confident in doing it, but I didn't really know what it was going to be like till I got into the role. And when I realized that I put myself in this role, I wore too many hats. So right out of the gate, I was I was still trying to, you know, direct the sales team. I was still trying to be um, involved with a software implementation at a level that I should not have been. And I was in daily meetings with all of these projects that were going on. I was traveling to customers. I was doing way too much. And it was wearing me out. I couldn't keep up. I was just a wet noodle every night when I would get back home. and. And as we have in our jobs, you can't shut that off. So it's still with you 24 hours a day. I was just being ineffective and I was frustrated because I wasn't seeing the results that I thought we should be seeing.
0: Yeah. And so you, back to the beginning too, is that transition and that mentorship. I think that's a big gap for a lot of leaders that are leading today is that they didn't, someone didn't really prepare them, right? Didn't give them that space to be able to learn and grow. And so you just had to figure it out, which is to our best abilities, right? We're all trying to do, um, How do you see yourself different now than than then? And how does that affect how you lead in the organization today? Like, are you taking a different perspective and approach because of that?
1: I didn't realize that my role was not just so basic. I thought I had to be everything. And when I realized that really being the visionary of a company, which I thought seemed pretty simplistic, and yet not really essential, mm-hmm. would be probably not the right fit, and that there's way more I should be doing. But I realized that once that role was established of, hey, my, my responsibility is, is really um, to create a path for where this business should go, and and that communicating that path to to my leadership team, who then can help me communicate that to the rest of the leadership team throughout the organization. Once I realized that, what I did as a leader completely changed. I was able to let them lead, let everybody lead and do their jobs Mm -hmm. and not me being the one to say, hey, we have to do these top 10 things or I create the list of to do's. Right. And letting go of that was really hard because Every leader that I had ever been working with or or reported to was very much in the mindset of um, you have to know everything that's going on in your company all the time. Right. That's unrealistic.
0: And I love the idea that letting go is where growth comes from. Because if you have the right people, hire them and let them do what they do well, instead Mm -hmm. of thinking that you have to have it all figured out for them.
1: Correct. I I, I made the mistakes I made when I hired some of the first executives that I had was I spent so much time with them trying to get them to do what I wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. And I I failed at that. They failed. I failed. It hurt the business. I wasn't um, willing to let them make mistakes. I wanted to prevent them from making mistakes.
0: Right. Well, first off, I have to commend you for, and I knew this is why I have you on because I knew you'd be vulnerable and admit, but I mean, all of us have these gaps as leaders, right? There are leaders listening right now that are holding on too tight, right? That are where you used to be and they don't know how to let go. But sharing these kind of stories and sharing leaders that said, no, I really, I thought it too. I thought it was going to be bad. And it was, it actually turns out that it's good if you've got the right people around you. So, As you look at your leadership journey and kind of where you've come to, what do you think, like, who are, who is the leader you are today? What do you think your superpowers and your strengths from a leadership standpoint are that you've discovered and that you bring to the team?
1: I didn't realize that uh, through all the years of being in this business and other, the business that I had, which was similar industry, that I actually feel pretty comfortable trying to predict. Mm-hmm. And you know, predicting is very risky. And mm-hmm. most people I think don't want to be accountable to a prediction and <laughs> held to what they said things were going to happen like you're some sort of prophet or something. But but being able to understand the, what the business is and what it's capable of, that's fun. It's fun to be able to think about what our company can become and what we can do together to be the business that we should be, the business that we're capable of being, and that the people there may not understand what they're fully capable of yet, because they're still learning how to let go of what they did to allow others beneath them rise up as well and and watch them make mistakes, but yet guide them as well. And they're not alone. It's, It's more of this feeling of empowerment, which is a word that went back when I first started in in business. Um, People always had the phrase, you need to empower your team, you need to empower the employees. And in reality, that's essentially what is happening in our business now. Mm -hmm. By allowing each individual to to have the freedom to think and the freedom to come forward with what they think issues are and, and then work together and collaborate with other people to solve. Without a leader being involved in that, that never would have happened in our business three years ago at any level.
0: Right. And that's growth. So I don't even know if you know, but I have a keynote that I've developed just because of the business climate right now. That's around kind of transformational. Like, how do you grow in a healthy and sustainable way? Right. Business needs, human needs, which you guys totally understand. And I use you guys as an example in my talk of what I call growth mindset. And that's really what you've been driving is you've had it, but when people are in fixed mindset, they just believe this is all we can do. We can't control this situation. We can't have that conversation with the customer, right? Like we're fixed in what we're capable of and what we can achieve. And I think I know what you've brought to the team and helped them realize in themselves is that growth mindset is that we've got way more potential than we're maximizing right now. Now there's things we need to fix to be able to get there. Right. But it's that open idea, that prediction on what if, right, where could we be that I think is opening up people, your leaders minds. And it's what's really driving your growth.
1: Without a doubt. I mean, the, the, the key essential point to me being able to do what I do as a visionary in our business was to have an outstanding integrator, right? <laughs> which I have in Bryce. And you know, without that, I think my role is different. I'm still involved in daily operations, and um, you know, I, I consider some of some of that to be almost firefighting for a leader at that point because they don't have a strong enough team to get the all the issues in the business resolved and that they're being addressed. Right. And you know, it the issues never, of course, go away. It's just how are you going about the process of 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 working through issues Mm -hmm. and people growing in their jobs where they collaborate and work together to solve issues,
0: right? And that relationship is so important, right? As you, you know, you saying a superpower is your ability to predict. You can't be out there and in the business all day every day either. Like it, your brain doesn't work in that way. And so, having someone that really is the execute daily basis issues and bring you in where there's things, right, where they need assistance. I, it's a beautiful synergy that I think you guys have realized that is, is key to your growth.
1: Without a doubt. And, and we realized real quick that once we had that system in place at the executive level, that it had to go down through the entire organization to everybody who works in the company. They all need to feel and experience what we're feeling. And know that they, too, can elevate what they do as an individual to be better at their job without waiting for their supervisor to come to them and say, hey, John, you need to improve in these areas. They know that. Yeah. They know that they're getting the, the feedback that they need from their boss, from their supervisor, mm-hmm. and they know what they need to do. And, and if they're not the right fit, we don't hang on to them forever. We, we're we very open with, hey, it's just not a good fit. And and there's no reason for us both to struggle here. Let's make a change. And maybe it's they leave the organization or we put them somewhere else in the organization. Right.
0: It's so refreshing. Everything you're talking about is, is in my mind, culture, right? So you can have a great business strategy, but what you're talking about is leading people, that conscious leadership and culture. So talk a little bit about that journey, because I think that's something that Lakeview has done better than most. And it's created an employment brand and just... You know, you aren't having the same struggles other companies are having right now. And it's because you chose to invest time and resources in your culture.
1: When, when I first started interviewing for leadership roles, I was very transparent with them about the challenges that the company was facing. I wasn't just trying to entice them to work for us. I wanted everyone who came to work in the business to know exactly what the challenges were going to be like and what the culture was like at the time but also talk to what we want the culture to become. And one of the things that I think we did really well was, hey, we created a value system within our business that we talk about during the interviewing process. When, When there's a candidate coming in to interview for a position in the company, we talk through what not only just what the vision of the company is, but what are the values that we really dig into every day in our business that help us grow and help us achieve the things that we want to achieve together. Mm-hmm. So it was not just hiring a position and just making sure that person's qualified. It was intentional that we would say, look, this is what you can expect when you come into this organization. This is the kind of environment that you're going to experience. And is that a good fit for you and even for the people who are here today? It's not just come in and do that accounting job or work in the factory or do something there. It's this is our culture. This is what we're trying to become as a business. And these are the things that are important to us as as a team.
0: And all I can hear with everything you're describing is first off, you're building trust right away because you're being transparent. Like there isn't a company on the planet that doesn't have issues, right? right? Or things that aren't working and things they need to fix. So, But just like laying it out there and saying, we're hiring you to help us come in and, and, and fix this versus trying to woo them, right? By hiding those things. And I think it's a huge trust thing when you're hiring really high caliber leaders is they just want to know where is it messy and where do I need to come in and bring my experience?
1: Yeah, we we need you, but we want you. Yes. And do you want to be here? You know, is this a good fit? Maybe some candidates will look and say, man, I don't want anything like that. And that's right. fine we want you to understand clearly that when you come in day one, there's still the unknowns of course, of what the culture is truly going to be. But we want you to feel that we gave you as much information as we could to help you make the right decision. So that when you do come into the organization, you have the right attitude and mindset from day one. And we continue to work with you with onboarding and and some other things that we were really not very good at at all. We're still getting better at that, but every company is going to struggle with, Hey, we have all these benefits and, you know, we have 401k, the, you know, PTO and all the things, everybody has those things. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from everybody else? And it's culture.
0: Yep. And so that's the theme of this entire um, podcast. And why I wanted you on is because culture is the leader's choice. And as a leader, you've made the decision to say this matters and you've seen the results. Um, So I want to get your advice for the leaders listening on what does it take to be a leader today in this current business climate? Like, what do you think the most important characteristics, mindset, whatever you would describe it as are today?
1: Well, the very first thing that I never thought I would be was vulnerable. And I know you mentioned (laughs) that, but I think that I was not vulnerable at all when I took this position five years ago. I had never seen a leader be vulnerable before, so why would I think that is an attribute you should have? Yet I realized that the more vulnerable I have become with my team and with everyone that I speak with in the organization, the more reality of how hard life is and how tough work is becomes. Mm -hmm. And we all understand that this is not easy. This is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to, to work and have a family and all the challenges you have in life. So for me being vulnerable, I would have to say the number one attribute that you must have in today's world, because without it, you're just staying, you're you're painting inside the lines. I mean, I know that's cliche, but the creativity just doesn't seem to ever come to the surface that people can help move an organization together. But if they can't be vulnerable with each other, then they're always going to be on guard. They're going to be defensive and they're going to resist change.
0: Yep. And what I love in this story is, first off, by you sharing that, right, it's also giving permission to other leaders who are listening because you have to be able to model it. And, and if, like you said, there's a lot of leaders in top positions right now that generationally not good or bad, it just was a different generation that did not have the people that they learned from that had these skill sets that are not required. And I think that's the biggest piece, but when you model it, you're also modeling it for your leaders, right? And that has changed the level of leadership that you've been able to achieve in Lakeview. How have you seen the leaders in your organization transform?
1: Well, it went from this tension that you always felt in the room when we would start a meeting, you know, the first couple minutes of they're still, you know, coming in from whatever they were doing before the meeting. And that might take five or ten minutes to kind of, um, you know, dissipate somewhat. But now the the sensation coming in the room is more of a sense of calm. They're not coming in uh, high strung or panicking or any kind of sensation of that they don't even want to be there. And you could sense that sometimes too, Right, because most people don't like meetings. They consider them to be a waste of time. When I'm in a meeting now with the leadership team, it's more that they're at ease, they're comfortable, um, they're confident, and they're really in a mindset of this meeting is valuable. We're going to work together to work on issues and Whatever we don't get done, we trust each other that it will get done. Mm -hmm. And there isn't any having to double check with someone on the team if they were going to get a task completed from the last meeting. We know when we leave the meeting that everyone's going to do what they said they were going to do. And that when we come back together the next time, there'll be new issues. Mm -hmm. We're not going to panic over them. We're just going to be as intelligent as we can. And we respect each other.
0: What you're describing is what technically they would say is a psychologically safe environment where where, where people can just show up and be like, I know we're going to fix the stuff together. Like, I don't feel like I have to put up errors that I've got it all figured out, right? Like, this is my safe place to come and say, I need your help. Or what are we going to do about this? And we all are kind of in it as a team. And there's a lot of organizations, unfortunately, right now, they just, they don't have that. And it's such a competitive advantage because you are solving issues faster and you're solving them better, meaning there's more ideas than if everyone was coming in with defenses
1: up. Good point, because it used to have a feeling of if, if I asked a question of, say, someone who's you know the director of sales, they might be defensive and try to answer the question perhaps in a way that maybe makes them look good mm-hmm. and that they've got everything under control. Now, when those questions are asked, whether it's from me or somebody else on the team, each individual feels as if it's okay to just think about what was asked. And you may not even have the answer and say, I've never even thought of that. That's a great question. Maybe we should dig deeper into this because I didn't realize that that was even perhaps an issue within the organization. And, And so it's this willingness to want to explore to dig deeper into what maybe wasn't looked at before and ask questions of, I wonder why we do things like that. I mean, maybe we should consider a different path. We should ask more questions and and not be offended by that. And that's truly the environment that I feel when I'm with people without, no matter where it is in the organization, it's not a feeling of, I better say what John wants me to say it's more of, I'm going to think this through a little bit and, and take into consideration that, hey, that's something that I haven't really thought about before, or I have thought of that and I didn't know how to actually go about solving for it. Can you help me?
0: Yeah. So given everything we talked about today, for the leaders that are listening and inspired to say, okay, this is how I need to grow and evolve. What's, what's the one important message you would leave them with? Like, What do they need to be thinking or doing?
1: That's a tough question.
0: I know there's probably so many things. (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell a leader in your organization that's struggling or that's trying to grow into their leadership? Like, what's the most important thing?
1: Well, I I would go back to be vulnerable because when you start with that, you don't really care how the outcome is going to be. You're okay with the journey. And when you're okay with the process of solving, the process of going through pain, Uh, then you're okay with asking for help. And the one thing that I will say that I did not do very well, and I still work on today is asking for help. It's as if a leader feels that they're supposed to know everything and that I can solve any problem because over a course of time, you probably can at a very high cost to you and your organization asking for help. Mm. My goodness what leader would ever do that? That's That was the mindset that I had. And so being okay to say, I need help, or I don't know the answer, that's a good place to start.
0: Wow. No, that's that was a mic drop there, because it is the high cost to the organization of you feeling like you're the one that has to have the answers. You are absolutely slowing the business down, if that's the case, right? And leaders think they're doing the right thing. Because it feels more comfortable to them, but they're killing themselves in the, you know, and they don't have the energy to give the organization what it really needs.
1: Right. Right. And it's not not you being a help desk. That's not what it needs. Correct.
0: For you or for the business. That is not fun. Right. Right. I love every part of this. So before we wrap, we've got to go through our bonus round. So these are fun questions to kind of end it right on a high note and get to know. Yes, the bonus round. So I have three questions for you. Okay, so fun. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, dead or alive, who would you want to have coffee with and what would you want to ask them?
1: Well, I would probably start with Jesus because I grew up, you know, learning a lot about everything within the spirit of God. And it's been 2000 years since Jesus was around. So I would I would love to have coffee with Jesus. And I would I would have a lot of questions. Probably the very first one is what made you decide to save humans and talk about vulnerability right. i don't think there's ever been anyone that i've ever known who was more vulnerable than the stories about jesus
0: you know it's it's interesting you can read a lot about how they said he was the first real you know like leader when as you think about the leadership principles that we still use today that in a lot of the stories are are him leading always yeah
1: and it was never about him he was always about everyone else.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, second question. What do you think the world's going to look like in 5 years? I know it's a big question, but like you're a predictor. What do you think it's going to look like?
1: Well, I think that the world is going to continue to have turmoil. That that's a given. Mm-hmm. But I also know that economically, which is where, you know, we all reside in our minds, that the world's going to go through some challenges here over the next probably two to four years before we even get to that fifth year. And it's the, the financial debt in our countries, not just the United States, but all the countries worldwide. Mm -hmm. There is no solution to that right now. And we can't just grow our way out of this. So I think that the challenges that all businesses will have is how to navigate through the flux of, you know, financial markets being unstable. Um, the instability that we've seen through COVID, I kind of see that going forward, that we're going to continue to be in, in a very unstable environment and that if, that if businesses can adapt well mm-hmm. and stay together and, and, and always be aware of what's happening in their environment, those businesses will survive no matter what the challenges are um, economically on a macro level.
0: Right. And I think it's a beautiful reminder that, again, that instability, but there's still things we control the culture, the leadership, right? How we show up and have conversations and solve the problems that we don't even know about yet, right? The new ones that are going to come is focusing and making sure your team is ready to be at that place. i Yeah. And the third question. So I believe that to lead well, you need to be well. So what is one thing that you consistently do to manage your own energy?
1: I have uh, one hour in the morning and I have one hour in the afternoon that I block off on my calendar every day to just be with on my own, to not have meetings, to not allow anyone to book those meetings Mm -hmm. so that I can just think. And it's not necessarily about the business. It might be about personal things that are happening. It might be that I just, you know, listen to a podcast, listen to music, um, completely unplug myself from the job and from work and, Um, not read emails, not be distracted, just have that time. And and I would say, yes, there are occasions where that doesn't happen, but a majority of the time I get that two hours every day.
0: All of the leaders that are listening that are really jealous, including myself right now, this is just a good tip. Maybe you can't start with two hours a day, but 30 minutes a day, right? Start there because that clarity is what creates the confidence and the solutions and everything else that the business needs from you. I think we think it's the inverse that if we just push harder, right, it'll come to us. But what you're doing is you're, you're calming your mind to figure out what the solutions are.
1: Always. And it's, and it's, it's figuring out ways to do less. I mean, that's like, seems like something you wouldn't want to say to somebody, but if, if I can, if I can delegate, as much as I possibly can to my team, they learn. And then if they do that to their team, then their team learns. And so it's not about doing more. It's about being more efficient at what, what you do. And, And so I'm trying to always find ways to be more efficient. And those clarity breaks really help open my eyes to some things that I do that I, that I need to get better at. Yeah. So I am looking within myself during those times as well. Um, there are days where you just need to breathe. And that's all I'm doing during that hour. I'm just getting a cup of coffee or I'm you know listening to some music because it's stressful. And so I think that if anyone can, to your point, even 30 minutes, you had that in the morning, you know, even when you're getting up in the morning, you know, there's a lot of people that'll just go exercise and that's their time alone. That, that should count because you are by yourself and you are doing something for you. And I feel that, that has probably helped relieve a lot of stress for me more than anything else I've changed in my life over the last five years. Yeah
0: It's a great reminder for all of us in the times we're living in is you've got to you you just got to be able to remove yourself, right? And like you said, take that breath. I knew you were going to share some really impactful things. That's why you're on here, but I just I love you. I love your team, and I really mean that. The work that you guys have done and the hard work that you've done, is such an example for so many other organizations and so many other leaders. And I appreciate you sharing vulnerably today on what's worked and what hasn't worked and what you've learned along the way, because I know it's gonna impact a lot of leaders that are listening.
1: And I will say this, Jamie, that one of the best decisions that I think I made was, was realizing that I can't always lead the leadership team. And when we work with an organization and with you, as the person that says, hey guys, we all need to get together here and focus. Um, when I'm in that environment with you, when we have our quarterly meetings and, and we have our annual meetings, that's invaluable to myself and to our team that that there's someone who can direct the team through the process of what needs to be done in order to create the strategy for the business over the next you know quarter, over the next year. Right. And without you doing that and helping in that role, we would not be where we are today. So I love you as well, Gene. Uh, We've had a great relationship now for, I think, three and a half years. And it's invaluable to our team to have you on our team.
0: Well, I appreciate that a lot. And and just for those listening, I didn't pay him. I truly didn't pay him to say that, but, oh, but yeah. that is the value of an outside advisor, right? I don't come in and say, I know the strategy for your business. I just help your team get healthier together and figure out how to work those muscles, right? And work better as a team. And then you guys do the hard work. Yes. I, I think it's fantastic. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And to everybody listening, right? These are nuggets. You already know a lot of this stuff, but John is just reminding us about how we actually evolve and change as leaders and we have to focus on it. So you've got to do the work. That's my message to you today is do the work. Thanks everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career
1: and in life.